Welcome to Conversations with Connors. I'm your host, Adam Connors. Besides great people, one of the many things I love in this world is how I never cease to be impressed or wowed. Today, I was privileged enough to be wowed by such a good-natured and positive-spirited kid by the name of Jesse Kay. At an early age, Jesse had to overcome separation anxiety and panic attacks. Today, at the ripe old age of 17, he's one of the most independent kids I've ever met. To call him a kid's almost insulting, but it is what it is. In between gym class and earth science, Jesse can now be found traveling the world, speaking as a thought leader to not just kids, but adults too. To say that he's mature beyond his years is an understatement. I mean, this kid just gets it. You're going to walk away from this conversation having a deeper appreciation for relationships and looking at the big picture, or as Jesse so eloquently states it, focusing on the long game. Jesse has a passion for networking, building relationships, and adding value. In fact, as you'll hear, they're all one and the same. I love one of his quotes. It's all about providing value first. There's always karma on the back end. Have you ever heard of people like Bezos? Cuban, Cardone, Steiner, or Vaynerchuk. These, as well as a bunch of other A-list contacts, are just some of the people that Jesse has had the good fortune of speaking with. During our conversation, he shares with us how he met them and some of the traits that they all have in common. We talk about having a mentor, the value of a good mentor, and how certain communities that Jesse's involved with each help each other and serve as pseudo-mentors. He tells us about how in less than a year, he built over 100,000 followers on his podcast, The 20 Under 20. He gives us great advice on what he calls building a pathway to a good podcast, including how he ascertains some of his guests, the technology he uses, and how he engages with his audience. He's also very honest and shares his podcasting pet peeves, as well as some of the hurdles he's faced during his journey. During his podcast, he's often asked, well, how do you do it? How did you get to where you are? His advice, as he explains, is pretty simple, and it relates to almost anything. Number one, you get started. Number two, you get organized. Number three, prioritize accordingly. So, in the spirit of Jesse's advice, let's get this conversation started. So we are rolling. I'm, uh, I got the pleasure of sitting here with Jesse K. Jesse and I met through Brandon Steiner of Steiner Sports. I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to speak with Brandon. And after wrapping up with Brandon, Jesse, who had joined our podcast, him and I started talking and I quickly realized that this kid's for real. He's an impressive guy. Don't let the age fool you. He's only 17 years old, but he's going on probably 50. He's got worldly views. He's really inquisitive, completely understands what networking is all about, holds great conversations, asks excellent questions, and really appreciates giving. And I'm not sure if that's how much of that is natural. I'm not sure how much of that came from working around Brandon or from the entrepreneurial spirit of his father, but we're going to have an opportunity to learn that today. So I'm really excited to have you on the show, Jesse, and learning about who you've become, who you're going to become, and how you got here. 
Yeah, thanks so much. I'm super excited for this. I'm happy we met. It was sort of random, but who knew we met a week or two ago and now we're doing this. I'm really excited. Yeah, it's great. Before digging into kind of the nuts and bolts of this, tell me about something that you do that you just enjoyed doing. I think doing this kind of stuff, podcasting, that's sort of where I got my start in the networking and business side the most recently. But also I think I just really, really enjoy doing business stuff where that's what I live for. Like that's what I love doing. I love networking with people. I love connecting. I love speaking. I love doing all of this kind of stuff. I think it really just comes down to finding your passion stuff. So for me, that was starting a podcast and networking. Like I'm just like you in terms of networking. I love doing it. I love connecting people with other people in the space. But I really just think it comes down to for me, like I love doing this and as long as I love doing it, it's great. So Jesse, let's talk about, you've got a podcast. You started it how long ago? I started the podcast a little under 11 months ago. And I can give like a little bit of the background on why I started it and all of that. Uh, I'm sure that would help. But basically, I was sitting in my business slash entrepreneurship class in high school, which is an interesting class to have. I was sitting in it and we had to come up with a product or service and write a business plan for it. That was like our year-long project. And I realized that so many kids in my class had amazing ideas and were so creative, but nobody knew how to execute on it. So they were like, I have this amazing idea. I want to do this, but I don't know where to start. So I realized this is a problem, especially with Gen Z and young entrepreneurs and stuff like that. So I thought, why don't I interview people who have successfully done this? They've balanced school, they've balanced all of this, and they've done it to help educate and inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs. So I had nobody to interview. I didn't know who to do. So a couple of things I did. First off, I talked to my dad and I told you before my dad's an entrepreneur and he put me in touch with Joe Polish, who I have to connect you with you. He'd be a great interview for your show. But he connected me with this kid, Connor Blakely. And at the time I was like, who's this kid, Connor? He ended up being one of my closest friends, mentors, all of that. He's 18 and he has a youth marketing consultancy or firm. He's worked with companies like Sprint, the NHL, tons of huge companies. He's doing amazing. He speaks all of this stuff. So he helped me a lot. But then also I was like, I want to interview all these Forbes 30 under 30 people, billionaires, everything. So I sent 350 cold emails a day, every day to help people get on my show. And that got responses from Jeff Bezos, Mark Cuban. If I can interrupt. Yeah. So you sent 350 emails. Did you use a program to do this? And if you don't mind, tell me, what did you say in these emails? Yeah. So I used this program called Mixmax. It's a Chrome extension, but I still wrote the emails. What it does, you can put like a template in. So I would then add personal details and stuff like that, but I kept it short. I was like, hey, Mark Cuban, like your whole story is inspiring to me and I've really followed it. I think my audience would love it as well. I'm 17. I have a podcast with X amount of listeners. I think it could help you get a youth audience. Would you take five minutes of your time to chat? And then I got responses from some of them. So Mark Cuban gave me like a whole written response, which I then used. I got Gary Vaynerchuk to do a live podcast. I got Grant Cardone to do a podcast. Uh, Jeff Hoffman, who was one of the founders of Priceline.com. A whole bunch of random people, but it's been great. Wow. So you did this. I've got to assume you did pretty well on your project. <laughs> yeah, I did get 100, which was definitely good. My teacher was happy. I don't know if he was happy when I was having late assignments because I was too busy actually doing it compared to doing the business plan part of it. But yeah, I think he was pretty satisfied. <laughs> That's great. So you've done how many interviews so far? So 40 of them are live on iTunes or 35, something in that range. But I've recorded easily over 80 between interviews, Facebook lives, everything with like 80 to 90 different amazing entrepreneurs, leaders, everything, athletes. So you've done a lot. Do any of them stand out? 
I'd say a couple. First off, my first episode, because I had no idea what I was doing, but Connor Blakely, he helped me a ton with that episode. Just being there and being cool when I messed up and all of that. But I think some of my favorites are my one with Gary is very good. It's like seven minutes. It's short, so you can listen to it in while you're taking a shower. I think there's tons of good value in that. But a couple of my favorites are definitely, I think, Joe Polish. Very interesting one. What made him so interesting? And, and also, in your opinion, what makes a good podcast? Yeah. So with him, I think the thing that made it the most interesting was he gave sort of his pathway from going from a carpet cleaner all the way to running a huge annual event with thousands of people and being connected with Richard Branson, Tony Robbins, all of these people, Tim Ferriss, the list goes on. So I think he really paved the path for people to network and all of that. But also, I think the pathway to a good podcast is really letting the guest pave the way. So like if you go in with set questions, like I'm going to ask this, 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 and you have 50 preset questions, while that may be good for just straight up info, I think the conversations and the way you run your podcast where you actually talk back and forth is the best way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Have you had any people on your show that you're like, oh my God, I just got to get them off? You can tell within like the first 10 minutes, like I've had people where for 10 minutes, I'm like, oh God, this is going to be bad. And some of them don't go up. Like some of them I just can't put up because it just can't. It's terrible. So how do you handle that? It's tough. So I've gotten, there's one so far that I've done that, uh, again, I'm still, haven't launched most of them. Yeah. But I really just don't want to put up. Yeah. But he's a good guy. I think it's more important for to cover like your brand than put that up. Like the way I do it is first off, there's like a backlog on how long it takes the episodes to go out anyway. So it could be weeks, could be months, whatever. So I really just don't mention it to the person. And then if they follow up, then you can have that conversation like we need to re-record it and then you just sort of push that back a little bit. But I think most of them like people lose interest quick. Like if they're not following up, then they don't care about it. So unless you're getting hit up like after a month, most people don't even remember it. They're like, oh, I did that. But I think it's really important to maintain the quality of your show over satisfying other people. Yeah. What's your turnaround time from recording to getting it out live? It's around two weeks. Oh, wow. Right now, That's it used quick. to be way longer because I used to do like two episodes a week. Two episodes a day, I mean, that I'd record. Like one goes out every week, but I used to record like two a day. So obviously the turnaround time was super slow. But now I've limited it down to trying to get the highest level people on, not just anyone that – because at the beginning, it was just like, please come on my podcast. I need people. And now I'm <laughs> the one getting inbound saying, can I please come on your show so I can sort of select the highest level. So if I'm interviewing two people a week, it takes probably between two to four weeks to go out. Yeah. Okay. That it's seems great. good. Yeah. And then – so let's a little rewind back to some of those people that you were shooting out when you're doing those 350 a day. Now, that was, I guess, almost a year ago. Are any of them now kind of following back up with you? Have you Definitely. kind of- Definitely. Yeah, yeah, they are, huh? Which is great. So the they want to do a part two. Yeah. So trying to think, I think the first five were people that were part of the Next Gen Summit community, which is something I'd highly, highly recommend for anyone under 30. I mean, there's actually people in there that are 40, but it's basically- Some of us old timers? Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, it's first off, it's a Facebook group called the Next Gen Summit Community or something like that. It's like 2,500 young entrepreneurs, leaders, everything. And it's run by these two guys, Dylan Gambardella and Justin Lafazan. And they started it to help young entrepreneurs connect with each other and all of this. So they run an annual event in New York City and it's in June. Last year was amazing. They brought in awesome speakers. Brandon was a speaker. they just amazing people. But that network is one of the best communities I think ever. Like everyone just wants to help each other. Nobody's looking for anything back. 
And it's just amazing. Like my first five, and there's super high level people in there. Like my first five episodes from people from there were Connor Blakely, Ben Stern, who was on Shark Tank, Mark Cuban invested in his company, all these different amazing people that it's so cool. Aaron Esau, who I just saw last week actually, but he's somebody you should interview. He's the youngest ever venture capitalist. He's 19 and he's done it for three years. He has like an eight figure fund. How did he make his money? He started off when he was like 14. He created like a software company and then he sold it when he was like 15 or 16. (laughs) And then he got in touch with a bunch of like the big investors there and he started a fund. Wow. And then who are some of his advisors? I think Chris Aka is one of his guys, Mark Cuban, he's worked with. So he's got super high level people that are sort of helping him out. He's doing great. He got recognized. So has he moved away from software altogether? And yeah. Was, he's he's on his just in the VC, VC side. side. Gotcha. Is yeah. he a uh, East Coast guy? He's in Austin. No, he lives in Dallas, but he was just in New York. He goes in and out. He goes to Boston because his whole thing is he wants to be on the ground with these college students. So he'll sleep in the dorms. He'll do everything to see what they're actually like. So that's what makes him unique to these investors because nobody does that. And he's young enough where it's not weird. Yeah. So that's his pathway. So he's traveling every weekend. That's great. So he speaks at Harvard, MIT, all of that to see the young talent coming up. That's great. How do you find the time to do all the different things that you're doing? It's definitely tough because I do the podcast. I travel a decent amount for speaking stuff, consulting. I think it really comes down to time management. Like my time management used to suck. Now I use Google Calendar and everything. So literally like I know that I want to hang out with my friends every week or as much as I can, which is tough because I'm so busy. Like for the first six months of doing the podcast, I just couldn't hang out with them on Friday nights. I had interviews or sending out emails. It's a little weird of an excuse when you're like, no, I can't hang out. I have to send out 300 emails tonight, but (laughs) they understood. So everything goes in my calendar. So like hanging out with friends is literally in my calendar because I just need to see everything blocked out. But also my school's been super cooperative. So we're doing this right now during the day that I get out every day at 11 a.m., which is amazing. So I get to do my stuff and I still go to school. So I get to do everything. It's amazing. So one of the criteria for my show is a few things, but we look for eclectic people that are just good in nature, number one. Number two, that uh, really can attribute networking is a cornerstone of some of their success, which obviously do. And then the third piece, not necessarily in third order, but for this conversation is being successful. And I define success as living a life by design, not by default. Here you are 17 years old, in my opinion, living a life very much by design (laughs) as much as you could humanly possibly do. For example, just like you said, you created your schedule Yeah, I think it's tougher getting out of high school. I think that's a little tough to do anything more flexible than that with the school. Talk about your experience with Brandon Steiner, who he is, how that came to be, all that you've learned being around him. I met Brandon through Connor, actually. Connor was like, I just met this guy. You want to go play basketball at his house? So I went and we were playing basketball. And then he's like, do you want to go meet Derek Jeter? And I was like, Yeah, I want to go meet Derek Jeter. So went to an event with him, got to meet him. But I continued to go back and I just gave him advice on some social media stuff, some podcasting stuff, just from my experience. And he's like, why aren't you doing work with me? And I'm like, I don't know. So I started and I've done it like on and off the amount of time being. Now it's pulling back a little bit. We really go back and forth depending on what's going on. But it's been amazing, like getting to learn from him, sit in his office, see what's happening on the inside of a company first off, but also how he maintains his relationships with other people, getting to meet these amazing business people, athletes, everyone. It's been so cool. Wow. What are some of the takeaways that you've had being a fly on the wall Uh, more than a fly, but essentially just being around in his shadow. I mean, he's dealing with all 
A-listers. Yeah, totally. I think it comes down to maintaining relationships, not just creating them. So always looping back with people like that's something I've gotten super set on now, like maintaining the relationships from the people I did my first episodes with, doing all of that, like going back, helping, not just helping at the beginning because that's something I've always done, like how can I help? But three months down the line, I'm thinking of you. I just saw this thing. What do you think? Do you want me to connect you? So that's something I've learned from him too. And it's just that constant way of maintaining a relationship for your business and in life. Yeah. Talk about some of the relationships, some of the people that you've uh, built, whether it's through your show or whether it is through Brandon and how people maybe that they followed up with you that you were impressed with. Yeah, totally. So I think in terms of people I've gotten to meet that really interested me from everything I've been doing were obviously some of the athletes through Brandon. So the people like Derek Jeter, Henrik Lundqvist, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, all these crazy people. It's awesome seeing them in person. But in terms of the podcast stuff, a couple of people, obviously Gary is doing his stuff right now and he's been a great guy. And AJ, I know even better, who's Gary's little brother. He was the COO of VaynerMedia. He grew from seven employees to 700 in seven years. So he's he did a crazy good job and he has Crohn's. So he got stressed out from the growth of the company. So he took time off and then he followed his passion and they created Vanner Sports, which is their sports agency. But he's just such a good guy. And it's awesome seeing what they're up to. They're killing it, both of them. And I'm actually speaking with Gary in Toronto soon. So I'm excited. Let's talk about that because I think that's really interesting. I think a lot of people are – you've got a lot of knowledge to share with people. So talk about the event, who the audience is, what the topics are, and some of the people that are going to be also speaking. Totally. So I'm speaking at – it's called Generation Now or Generation Now Movement. And Shauna Arnott is the person that's putting it together. She's an event producer, everything. She's done tons of events. I think at her last event, Gary spoke, Casey Neistat spoke, a bunch of really big people. But this event, I think it's three to 4,000 people. So it's a big audience for sure. It's in Toronto. And the audience is young entrepreneurs, like kids who are, I think it's like 60 bucks for a kid. It's super cheap. And then also business people. So there's the executive team from like Sony, I think is going like a whole bunch of from business all the way down to kids trying to learn more. They want to meet people, other speakers. So myself, Connor Blakely, who I mentioned before, Gary speaking, who else? Oh, Swish Goswami, who you have to interview. He's in New York. He's 19 also, but he created some sort of technology for NBA players, like where they jump so you can track their analytics as they play, which is super interesting. And he ended up selling that company. But now he does his own stuff. He does so much speaking. He's traveling the world every week. He does like 20 speeches a month. Like he's doing a crazy amount of speaking, but also he's part of... J.B. Fitzgerald, which is a venture capital firm created by Trevor Booker, who I've actually also interviewed. He used to be the power forward for the Nets. Then he got traded just a couple months ago to the 76ers, but he also is a huge entrepreneur. So he has like 20 companies, a huge venture fund. So both of them are really cool guys. You should definitely interview. I'd love to. How did you get invited to this conference? Yeah. So Shauna had reached out to me. I guess we'd seen each other on Facebook or something. And she was like, I'm running this event. Would love your help. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to push it out. I think it's the whole thing coming back to the same thing, providing value first. There's always good karma on the back end. Mm. So I was like, yeah, I'd love to. I'll push it out on my podcast. I'll push it out however I can. And she's like, what do you think about speaking to? I'm like, I'm in. And she took a jump there because I hadn't really done any speaking stuff back in June when she offered it to me. So she's offering me to speak in front of 3,000 people at that point when I had never done anything. So I think it's really just give as much value as you can. So I gave her that value. Like I'd be happy to help. I'd be happy to interview you for my podcast, push it out. 
But now I'm going to be speaking in Toronto with Gary, Connor, and 3,000 other people. I'm excited. Are they doing anything before this event to make sure that the other speakers know each other? Yeah. So I think there's like a dinner the night before of all the speakers. And then there's like a lunch with all the speakers and other VIP like ticket buyers so they can meet and greet with all the speakers. She's doing a really good job with it. That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times with these events, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Where you have no idea who you're speaking with and it's just chaos. Correct. You go on, leave, that's it. Yeah. Is there a certain message that she's hoping that you push? I think the whole thing is the next generation's coming and how you can connect with them. And if you're part of that next generation, how you can continue to grow with it and how you can use technology and stuff like that. But also just go back to being able to network with people and give value and inspire the next generation. So I think the thing I'm talking about is how I networked and got on the, cause my talk is going to be, it will have been exactly 11 months since I launched my podcast. So it's going to be like how I launched a podcast 11 months ago. Now I'm standing here, like how you can build a worldwide brand in under a year from a podcast. That's sort of the title or description of it. That's a good one. And let's talk more about the podcast in terms of followers that you have. How many do you have? What kind of feedback are you getting and what medium are they giving you the feedback? Yeah. So the podcast started off, as I'm sure you'd know, like the first episode, obviously not my best episode. I've learned as of, so I've gotten so many messages on Instagram and all of this, like you've grown, your interviewing skills have gotten so much better. I love the guests, but I do it a different way. So most people Like I love your setup right here doing it live. Most people don't do that. Most people just do Skype or something like that. I tried to add another dynamic in by doing it on Facebook Live. So I do my interviews on Facebook Live using a tool called BeLive.TV. And it's like 10 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month. And you can go live with somebody like wherever they are in the world. And people can ask questions and you can pop them up on the screen. So I've done that. And then I pull the audio from it, put it on iTunes. So that's how I did it. And my numbers, it's tough because some of it are from iTunes, some of it are from Facebook, some of it are from SoundCloud, but it's definitely well over 100,000 total downloads and listens. Wow. That's a lot in a short period of time. Yeah, it's been great. And do you attribute it to one thing in particular or is it the aggregation of everything, meaning like you being you and getting better? Is it the guests? Is it the sound quality? Is it the time that you're releasing it? Is it where the medium that it's coming from? I think it comes down to like three or four things. I think it comes down to the guests, which is why I shot high when I tried to email all these people because I realized if I interview somebody like Gary who has two point something million followers on Instagram, when I interview him, that's going to attach. And then my interview with him went in his daily video with my Instagram tag. So then that shoots the number up. So getting people to push out your episode when they have big followings definitely helped a lot. I think also just social media in general. So from the podcast, my personal Instagram grew. I think I had 600 followers back in June and now I'm at 24,000. So I think social media has been great in terms of actually building it up and pushing out my content through social. Then I think the last thing it comes down to is just trying to provide value for your listeners. Like if you're just trying to retain them so you can use them later on to pitch them something, nobody's going to care. But if you're just trying to give value and interview people who can really, really help them, I think that's really what's kept most of my people. That's what networking is all about. As yep. you've learned and experienced firsthand on a massively accelerated level. 
<laughs> I know? hope so. Yeah. Tell me about some podcasts that you've had and some guests on that just, and you don't have to say the names, but that just, it just went awry. It was, yeah. it, it wasn't good. And whether it was, I don't know if it's bad feedback or you just knew it wasn't good. Cause when you're going live, that's it's risky. Tough. And, tough. you know, like I've had some people on already that, you know, there was things that we just had to edit out because whether they said someone's name that they shouldn't have, whether they, yeah, going live's tough. Yeah, that's, very a, that's, tough. A, that's a tough call. Because the second somebody says something, it's on the internet. Yes. So you need to have that talk before you go live. What do you want to avoid? What don't you want to talk about? What don't you want to do? But it's tough because there's no editing a live video, yeah, especially I mean, I, when there's had, tons of people. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but I had one gentleman also, same question, like I asked you, hey, is there anything that's off the table? You said no. He said no. Well. <laughs> then something was off the table oh, after many things it. were off the table. So that's a real risk. Yeah. Especially when you're live and somebody has some confidential info or something like that. So I think the biggest way to prevent it is just being upfront and knowing like what's definitely off the table. And I think really there's a couple episodes that have went interesting. Luckily, none of those were live. But see, I only do live if I trust somebody and I know them well. I don't do a first time I've ever spoken to them an episode if that is true. I do it on Skype. I don't do it live. I only do lives with people I know personally and very well because I know everything about them and what I can put live and what's not to be talked about. So I think that's been a big thing. But the ones that have went bad were some, there, we had this one conversation with this woman and we were doing the interview and everything was great. And then I asked her what she's up to now. And she started talking about how she's doing a bunch of like illegal money financing stuff. And I was like, <laughs> okay, we're not posting that interview. So I don't know why you'd ever promote that, but- What prompted her to share? I mean, it's good. I was, I mean, like, yeah. I was like, what are you up to? And she's like, oh, I'm doing this stuff. And I'm like, oh, that sounds it. Because at first it sounded like, oh, it's super cool. Like help fund businesses. I'm like, oh, like where are you getting the money from? She's like, oh, it's sort of from some like back end like stuff. And I'm like, okay. And it just started getting weirder and weirder from there. So that was the end of that interview. <laughs> that one never went live. Yeah. Oh my God. And how did you, is this someone that you've known or someone no, was referred was, to you? This yeah. person had begged me for weeks to come on the show. So I was like, you know what? I'll just record it. It's probably never going to go live, but let's do it. Let's talk about that for a second. So here I am. I've only done 15 so far and I've already getting a backlog. If yeah. I've got 50, a little more than 50 scheduled, this isn't even out there. Yeah. And a bunch of people are already like, hey, I want to be on your show. Yeah. And some I'm excited about. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I can't wait. And, and some are like, now. Yeah. So talk to me about the nose. How have you turned down the nose? And There's a super fine line, I think, between somebody that – it's interesting. I talked to Jason Pfeiffer last Thursday. He's the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, and he was saying in terms of press. So – a lot of people will be like, I want to go get press or I want to go on this show just because it fills my ego. And like, look, I'm on Entrepreneur. But you have to do it strategically. Like, what's the point of trying to get on a podcast? Is it that you want to get known? You want to do business? But if you're just doing it because, hey, I want to, first off, wait a couple of years, wait a couple of months until it can actually help you. Because right now, it may not help you. But the way I define it is like somebody that's leading the space in their industry or doing something super interesting. So if I tell them if they don't fit that, I'll be like, I'm super booked up for the next couple months. Why don't you loop back? Because number one, that gives me time. And number two, it gives them time to work on stuff, improve, have super cool stuff going on. And then when they loop back, then it might be a perfect fit. What about people? Have you had some people on the show that you're like, oh man, we need more time or they've run over? Yeah. And how do you decide on when to make it a two-part series or a three-part, meaning just enough information from the conversation that you had when you sat down versus... Hey, Jesse, let's have you back. Yeah. And let's totally. pick things up. So, 
in general, I usually let it go as long as it goes because I just think that's the best way to do it. Like if you look at how Joe Rogan does his podcast, he goes for three hours sometimes. <laughs> no, um, I haven't heard Each of his episodes, I think the range is two hours to three hours for each episode. And he's talking with super high level people. The fact that they're giving him three hours is saying something. He's an entertaining guy. He's amazing. He's just, his episodes yeah. are so good. Yeah. What do you like about him? We'll go back to those other questions in a minute. What do you yeah. like about Rogan? The fact that he gets personal with the person. So once you get to three hours, you're talking about random stuff. It's not an interview. They're just chatting about yeah. random shit. Yeah. Like they're it's literally- real organic. They're not interviewing. They're just talking. And then weird stuff comes up. They talk about conspiracy, th- like just random stuff. Like he's talking with Gary Vaynerchuk about hockey. Like it just gets to random, random stuff. I'd love to have Joe on my show. He just seems- I love everything he does with his show. Does he go on shows? I don't, I don't know, know him to- If he does, I'll be the first one to get him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Nice. I like that. Let's go back to talking about bringing people back on yeah. for another. So you'll just let it go. I'll let you're, it go. You're good with that. Yeah. You're not like- And then also like once we wrap up, let's say one of us is time constrained or something like that, then we'll do it again. So like last week I did my second episode with Jason Pfeiffer. So I had done one with him back in, I don't know, October. And it was great. It went really good. People loved it because it actually just came out a couple weeks ago. And that was a really backlogged one because now I finally got in the groove of pushing stuff out. But that was like two months backlogged. And people loved it. So when I realized people loved it, I reached back out to Jason. I was like, everyone loves this episode. You want to do part two? And he's like, sure, come in this week. So I went into the office. So that's the kind of stuff where like our first episode was an hour and 10 minutes. So you can tell with certain people like if there's more content to give or if it's just an hour long and that's sort of their cutoff. But I always love having people back that really provide good value and people like. That's great. Yeah. So I've had a couple of people where it's gone pretty long and it's just so good that you don't want to stop. You don't want to stop at all. You don't want to stop the flow. But I am vacillating because to have someone sit and listen to that for a long period of time, like for myself, I listen to podcasts typically when I'm at the gym. Yeah. And I'm at the gym for you know about an hour. So I kind of feel like, I don't know if that's just me looking through my little vacuum world, but I know myself when I've listened to podcast, maybe, you know, you'll get a couple minutes before I get to the gym and then a couple minutes after. So I'm like, let's call it an hour 10, maybe an yep. hour 20. And there've been ones that have that I've listened to that have been longer, but they are, uh, I'll pause it. I'll say, I'll come back to that. And I never get back to that. Yeah. So I don't want, and a lot of times, maybe towards the end of the, some of these conversations, like you said, regarding like Joe Rogan, the farther in you get some of the, the better, better stuff. Yeah. Because better. that's when they start getting more comfortable opening up. That's when the good stuff comes out. That's what I've realized from my interviews too. Like the best stuff comes out the last 20%. Yeah. Just because they just start opening up and cool stuff comes out. Yes. (laughs) So again, I'm still torn. Hey, do we just let it roll and then splice it up and make it two or or have them come back? I don't know. Yeah. I think it comes down to what your audience likes too. Like once you start pushing stuff out, you'll get a gauge of do people listen to the entire thing? Do they want it to be in 30-minute segments? Like I think it really depends on who your audience is too and what they like. So who is your audience and how do you know what they like? And do you know if they're listening to the entire thing? I know on Facebook if they're watching the entire video. How? There's insights where you can see like the average watch time and stuff like that. And also while you're live, you can see the numbers going up and down. So you can see if people are in there. In terms of iTunes, you can't really tell if they're listening to the whole thing, but you get responses from people. In terms of how I found my audience and stuff like that, it's mostly 15 to 25, mostly guys, but- it's probably 60, 40 guys to girls. And it's 15 to 25, mostly because I think that's where I started. So I started interviewing all these young people between 15 and 25. But I think the biggest thing is all of these people are either young entrepreneurs or they're interested in entrepreneurship and business and they sort of want to do stuff that maps to it. 
So when I interview these successful people, first off, they feel like they're actually connected with them and they can hear the story of how they got where they to their super successful point so these kids can follow it. But also it makes them feel like if they DM me, I can talk to the person and get an even direct follow-up question. So let's say somebody's listening and there was one point that they wanted more info on, they can either email the person if they give their email or they can reach out to me because I'm their age. So it's not like they're reaching out to a random person. And I open all of my messages, everything. So I'll read it. I'll reach out to the person and I can give them like a direct answer. In general, you respond to them or you mean while it's live, you're responding? Both. Isn't that distracting? Like that's so many things when you're doing a podcast you have to concentrate on. Like even like now as you're talking, I'm like, oh, I got this great question. And then you start talking, you keep talking. I'm like, oh, I got another great question. And then I forgot the first great question that I had. So how are you able to Especially with my ADD, it's probably not the best to be able to focus on everything. But when I'm live on Facebook, the good way to do it is on the BeLive.TV thing. If somebody comments a question, you can click on a button and then it pops up on the screen. Ah, so they can ask yeah. their question right there and then I can pop it up. They have their name right there and I can ask it on behalf of them, which is really cool. That's excellent. It's really cool. And it doesn't take much mental work. I just push a button and I can still remember my question. I need that. Yeah. It's it's great. Otherwise I'd forget everything. But I I also don't got my first episode. I went in with like preset questions since then. I never have. I could just go and knowing the person, their background and that's it. What about the other people? So I've had people that have, oh, I need to see a list of exact. I mean, I don't one, do it. There's one guy that I'm, he agreed. I cannot wait to have him on the show. He's awesome. He is an A lister. He's fascinating. He's really, and he doesn't do many of these, but he will not go on without a set list of questions. Yeah. I haven't done them when it's set list. I just get a little turned off by it. I mean, obviously, if it's a super high-profile person, it makes sense. But besides that, like, I feel like if you're not willing to do it, we can always cut stuff out. Like, we can do it on Skype. It goes back to the thing. I don't like the whole Q&A. I just like talking and going from there. So I sort of get a weird vibe when somebody's like, I need all the questions set up right now so I can consult my lawyers. And it's not like this is a super high-profile person. They're just like an entrepreneur and they're like, I need to consult my lawyers and talk to this person. I'm like, it's okay. Follow up with me when we don't need to involve lawyers in this. That's usually my response. So I think it really depends on the person. Some, it makes sense to do it that way, but it's up to them, up to us, I guess. Yeah. So you've got a 60-40 split of men to women. And the ideas why you think that is? I know that more men in general listen to podcasts. I don't know what that split is. Yeah. I think also just because there's more guys that I've interviewed just because supply and demand, I guess. There's just been more out there. But also, I think it comes down to, if you look at the stats of like young entrepreneurs, a majority are men, just to start. And I think more men are gravitating towards that area. Like I just, I don't know if this is actually factually true, but I feel like men or young men usually go towards the business side. Women go towards the fashion or marketing or communication side. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I know it's around 60, 40 men. That's my split. Those are your splits. Okay, gotcha. I I don't have a quoted source on this, but it's my understanding that that's in general just the breakdown of, but it's funny, I never hear- a lot of my buddies and a lot of men that I speak with talk about podcasts often. I've got a, on my one hand, I can list how many women I've had the conversation with about podcasts. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah. It's weird how it works. Yeah, so I'm interested in that. And I don't know how to, at least with my show, what I talk about in terms of like networking, value, totally. you know, helping people, it relates to everybody. So I'd like the audience to be 50-50. Any suggestions? I think it's just like interviewing an equal amount. I haven't been able to do it. I'm trying to, but 
I think obviously when you interview also super, so I've interviewed super high profile guys. So like Gary Vaynerchuk, who has tons of followers so that most of his audience is guys too. Or when I interviewed Brandon, most of his audience is guys. So if you can interview a super high level woman, when they push it out, you're just going to get a huge influx. So I think it's going for the high profile women too, that are just going to drive tons of traffic. Mm. And in value you talk about and value is what it's all about. What's the value that you're looking to provide for your audience? I think trying to give them a couple key things. First off, giving them value in terms of giving them the opportunity to feel like they're connected to some of these people. Like some of these people, they'd feel like I can never get connected with them. But from me asking their questions or me being like, you sound like you're doing really cool stuff. I'll talk to this person, see if they're interested in connecting with you. Like they have a personal connection there. It's not just like a formal, they're listening and that's the end of it. Like they can reach out to me. I can reach out to the person. Also, the value I want to bring to them is like actual steps that they can take to do stuff. So not just maybe you could one day create a business like from the people I'm interviewing, they give you the framework of how they did it and what they do right now. If they, I always ask everyone I interview, if you were 17 and you were listening right now, what would be your five tips? If you were right now going back, what would be your advice on how to grow? What are you typically hearing? What are the responses that you're getting? Is there any consistency? Yeah. Get started. Start. Don't just keep listening. Do whatever you're passionate about. Do it. Don't wait till it's perfect. That's all. Well, one of my favorite sayings. Everyone, anyone who's ever worked for me knows. I'm constantly say, "Done is better than perfect." Yep. Just doing it. It may be terrible, but that's why. Like so many people wait for perfection before they launch a podcast or whatever it is. But you're never going to be perfect, especially on the first one. You just have to accept that and go for it. Is yeah. my biggest thing. Like just do it. So what else are you hearing? So done is better than yep. perfect. What else? Your start. I'm saying. What, yeah. What else? Yeah. Um, find a mentor. That's a huge one because these people can pave the way for you. Let's talk more about that. So I've owned uh, an executive search firm and I had a career coaching business. And obviously a lot of things that I've done have been – the mentor thing comes up a lot. Big companies, they don't invest as much in people as they used to back in the day. So the dynamic is changing. Also, just the way the workforce is changing in terms of a lot of these next gen, a lot of entrepreneurs – because of healthcare and for whatever reasons, totally. it's my argument that that having a mentor now more than ever is so important. So important. And a lot of people don't understand or they either don't have a mentor or they just – maybe their dad will be their mentor and that's really limiting themselves. So you need to have a big network. The bigger your network is, the better options you will have in terms of having a real network, but all the things that it opens up. So if you don't mind, let's talk about the mentor, the world of mentor. Totally. So I think for me, the biggest thing was I wanted to find – all of these people where I gave them value up front, but all of these people are so connected, so deep in their stuff. Like all you can do is learn from them. So I'd say my pathway for anyone that's young to try and find a mentor from my experience and the people I've talked to is find a certain niche that you really want to get into. So everyone, you could say business, but you want to go even further down there. So like you want to find an entrepreneur who's been doing it for an X amount of time that's connected to a certain person. So the way I do it is like, let's say you want to get connected with Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know. I'm just using him as an example. To get to him, I'll go to the uh, mentor stuff too, but I think this is interesting for the connection side. If you want to get to him, you got to talk to his team. Most people go direct for him. And obviously that works, but not as much. But if you get to know, it's like I'm really good buddies and not even just for the fact that I can use them to get to Gary because I don't. I use them because they're really interesting guys. Like the people they surround themselves with are typically very interesting. So like Tyler, his assistant, Tyler, his video guy, all these guys I've gotten to know on a personal level. But in terms of the mentor stuff, I think it really comes down to 
reaching out because a lot of people, you'd be surprised, these guys don't get them any requests for because a lot of people are too scared to ask. They're like, no way this person would ever help me out until you get on the phone with them and they get interested in you and then you go from there. So I think it's not – and you don't want to be direct. You don't want to be like, hey, can you mentor me because they're going to be like, who are you? Like why do I care? But if you get on the phone and you're like, I love what you're doing. Love to have you on my show. How can I help? And they're like, what can I do for you? And I'm like, I'm just trying to build up more, meet more cool people. Like if you have any recommendations on people to meet. And then they're like, yeah, I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to help you out along the way. And then boom, right there. You got one right there. There you go. Who have been some mentors for you? And are they formal relationships or is it a little more informal? I'd say both. So Brandon's been a big mentor to me, obviously. My dad, just because I've grown up there my entire life and he's amazing. But then also Connor, which is obviously, and also Jonas Stillman's another great one. That's way more informal because they're my friends. But everyone in the Next Gen Summit is really mentors to each other. So Jonah is 18. He wrote a best-selling book. He does 30 speeches or something a month. He's a consultant to the NFL. Like he's doing crazy stuff. Now, are these mentor relationships, is it whether formal or informal, what do you guys do to maintain the relationship? How do you stay in touch? Are these group texts? Are they emails? Is it phone calls? Is it, you know, hey, let's meet once a month. Let's hang out. What is it? Yeah. So I think it's like a case-by-case basis. But like for somebody like Jonah or Connor, like we text every day or something like that. We'll talk to each other once a week at least, meet up once a month or every other month. Because Jonah lives in Minnesota, Connor's in Cleveland, I'm in Jersey. So that makes it a little difficult. But I think it really comes down to like, if you find a situation that works for them, I give them a call right away. So we're always giving each other opportunities. Or if one of us has a speech, we try and get the other two there so we can all hang out. But in terms of the more formal ones, I think what it comes down to is like, the way I set it up personally is for the first month that I know them, I just try and provide value every single day. So one good person that you need to interview, Mikey Taylor. He is a professional skateboarder. I listened to your podcast. Yeah, you listen to it. He's a great guy, good. right? Yeah, it was good. You should interview him. He's such an interesting guy. But I met him on January 1st, actually. Your stories are somewhat similar in yeah. terms of – No, off, it's but crazy. I, I, it is. I enjoyed your conversation with him. He's yeah. That was on Facebook Live, too. And the that audio was wasn't bad, right? No, the quality yeah. was good and it was flow. It was organic. It yeah, was, that that's was how a, I love yeah. doing it. So he – so you was, met him January. Yeah, I met him yeah. January 1st on the phone, actually. But I met him on Instagram, actually. And then we got on a phone call. But for the first month and still today, we talk pretty much every single day. And I just give tips on social, all of this stuff. And he's gotten so like, wow, thank you so much for helping me out. Like he's referred clients to me. He's referred all of this stuff to me. We're going to partner on a project that he's doing. Like there's so much stuff that comes out from giving stuff. Like the people that ask immediately while they may get short-term gain stuff, long-term it's just not worth it. But for me, like I'm so focused on the long game. Like I love seeing these people, like there's no problem with going on private chats if you're a kid and you've made a ton of money, but I'm so focused on 20 years down the line that right now, the reason I started the podcast was to network. I realized if I reach out to a huge person like Jeff Hoffman or Mark Cuban, I'd just say, can I talk to you for five minutes? They're going to be like, no, who is this kid? But if I'm like, I'd love to interview for my podcast so I can help spread your message to a young group, they'd be like, I'm all over that. I love to Everyone loves talking about themselves. So nobody's going to say no unless they really are that booked. So the whole goal of the podcast, though, is to build my network so and give value. So in five years when I'm doing my stuff, I have thousands of people that have helped and would love to help me out with my projects. Wow. That's amazing. So you've got college in your future, right? Yeah, I do. So I am actually, by the time this goes live, I'll have heard from NYU, but I hear from NYU tomorrow while we're filming this right now. 
Awesome. <laughs> but my other schools I've gotten into are Fordham. I want to say near the New York area, just because I feel like so much stuff I'm doing is based around New York. So my network, I get to go into the city all the time and meet up with people. So I definitely want to stay within the New York area, New York, New Jersey area. So right now the plan, because a lot of kids I know, like Connor and Jonah both don't go to college and they don't plan on it and they're doing great. But the thing for me is I don't think I'm going for the education. Like I'm sure you can learn stuff in college, but I'm fairly sure that I'm competent in a lot of the areas that matter. Like, sure, finance is very important and I need to know my numbers and all of that. But I think the human element is much more important, which I've gotten to know. And I can always meet people and do stuff that can help me with that. But the reason I'm going to college is to like maturity, like living on my own, doing all of this on my own. Like if you go back, which is crazy now that I came to Hoboken and we're chilling here. But like if you go back to when I was nine, I had terrible anxiety, panic attacks, separation anxiety, all of this. So I went to sleepaway camp. I had to come home because after like five days, I've dealt with panic attacks all my life on separation stuff and change. So business and entrepreneurship and the stuff I've been doing has almost like eradicated that because it's something I like so much that it's not even in my head. But now I go into the city alone. When If I used to go to school, I wouldn't want to go to school because I'd have to go somewhere and be away from home. And I'm going to Toronto. I'm going to all these places. So I think it's super, super important to be able to, once you find your passion, you're going to be able to, like whatever hurdles you're facing now, it just helped me completely get over them. That's great. When you're applying to schools, how much of what you're doing now comes- A lot. It's there, yeah. Because okay. my I did good on my ACT. My grades are not bad. You took an ACT? Yeah, instead of the SAT. Interesting. Yeah. Why? Just because it's like the same thing in terms of now it's 50 50, I think, between people that take the SAT and ACT. Yeah. Yeah. But the ACT is more focused on math and science stuff and it and reading and stuff like that. But the SAT is like word problems for math. And I'm fine with that. But the ACT is easier questions, less time, and I can do stuff quickly. So I went with the ACC. I got a pretty good score. I took it twice. And then my GPA is decent. It's not bad. It's good, but it's not like Ivy level good. But in addition, what I did to try and, because it's hard in an essay to say what I've been doing the past year, I didn't really think that was possible. So I put an essay saying what I've been doing, but also I got a video put together. I put together a video of words from like some of my mentors and people I've met. So like AJ Vaynerchuk filmed a quick thing. Dylan, who runs the next gen, some filmed a quick thing. All of these different people, like five to 10 people filmed a little 10 second segment for me and I tied it together. And then it was like, this is why I think he's been great. And I sent that in addition to all my colleges. Yeah. I can't see anyone. Any admissions that turns you down is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know. They're walking walking away from free press. They're walking away from a guy who's going to crush it. I hope so. And a lot of people, as, as I'm sure you, I don't need to tell you just from who you've already surrounded yourself with, people that get to the top of the mountain, they attribute the success. I mean, actually, you know what? You tell me. What are the people that you're hearing from? What are consistent things that they say have helped their success? I think a couple things. Like, first off, they all overcame hurdles. Everyone faced something. Because then once you get to the point where you're dealing with super stressful stuff, if you've already dealt with way worse stuff, it's not going to affect you. So for me, obviously, panic and stress is bad, but it's not the end of the world. But like, I feel like down the line when I'm dealing with stressful situations, I'm going to be able to deal with it better because I've already been through it. I'm not having that midlife crisis that of anxiety and stress. I've already dealt with it. But I think the thing that they've all come down to is they've all faced something. But also, they're all about 
solving something. They're not just sitting down, hey, how can we make some money? They're sitting down, hey, how can we help people and make a situation better? That's been the biggest thing I've realized. Yeah. What I see is the value of the relationships and the connections. So there's the admissions, you know, who's sitting on there. They know that too. I actually sat on a panel, I guess, for lack of a better term, with one of the heads of Harvard's admissions. And that was something that he talked about. Again, relationships, connections, the value, you know, yeah. the, the value you, you can't talk. I mean, Harvard is above board, as above board as you're going to get, but it's still how many people uh, probably shouldn't have gotten into Harvard, but because of who they knew true. and what they've done. Definitely true. Yeah, 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 yeah. What were some other schools that you were thinking about, but you just didn't move forward with? Yeah, I've applied to a decent amount, yeah. but the amount I'm considering is much smaller. So I applied to schools like Lehigh, which is a great school. I'm definitely considering that. It's not too far. Um, it's a great school, by great the way. School. Bucknell, I was considering, but I didn't end up applying because it's in the middle of nowhere. So also, I applied to a bunch of schools in Boston. So Northeastern, Tufts, I think I applied to. And then in DC, like George Washington, American, Georgetown, a bunch of those schools. All good schools. So for whatever it's worth, Northeastern doesn't have as much maybe clout, if you will, as some yeah. of the other ones. But yeah. I'll tell you, so I, I had a an executive search firm. I did it for years and hands down some of the best, hands down some of the best people that I placed that were coming out of college really? came out of Northeastern. Reason being they have a co-op program. Yeah, And that, that co-op program is, I guess it's more known in the Boston area, but you just, co I, I don't know if you need that because there's a maturity level that you already have that this co-op program gave a lot of the kids that were coming out, but just if any of the people that are listening to this or your followers that yeah. are going through the college process, I yeah, can it's tell great. You, hands down, it's a bang for your buck. Totally. Yeah. So I applied to all the schools and I pretty much say it's down to like NYU, Fordham. I applied to Stevens here in Hoboken. Definitely considering that. Really good school. Um, close to the city, great location, good school. So we'll see. I'll probably know in the next couple of months where I'm going. <laughs> where will you live? Probably where I go to school. Yeah. Yeah, probably where I go to school. I think that makes the most sense. Will you take a full class load with all the stuff that you've Definitely got going not. on? No. Yeah. I don't think so. so I want to no do a rush lot. To I'm in no rush. Like I'd love to take as much as I can, but I'm not going to overload myself. Like I'm happy taking the regular schedule, but I'm not going all in so I can finish in three years. Like I have too much stuff going on. I just can't fit it all in. What classes are you looking forward to taking the most? Stuff that I don't know a lot about. Like I obviously know a decent amount about business, but not a ton. But like some of the other random stuff, like I love government and like political science and that stuff I've always found interesting. I never really took class on it, but I'm sure like philosophy stuff's interesting. Like stuff that I don't know a lot about. Like I'm not knowledgeable on because I'm learning completely fresh. Yeah. Well <laughs> it's funny you're a lot deeper and philosophical than most people that I know. <laughs> I don't know with we'll masters see. and PhDs. <laughs> we'll see soon. Yeah. <laughs> Any questions that you have for me, anything in particular that you've wanted to uh, ask me about or that you think that I might some knowledge or lack thereof I might be able to share with some of your fans that are listening? Yeah, totally. Well, first off, you've done a great job with this. You've done a really cool job in the interview format and all of that, but I think also a lot of stuff or a big thing that a lot of kids and young entrepreneurs deal with is they don't know where to start with that's the thing we've been talking about the whole time. But you've done a variety of different businesses as we've talked about. But what do you think is the biggest piece of advice you'd give to like a teenager? 
I'm asking you the question I ask everyone. Yeah, that's a good one. And I'm obviously partial to the network and the relationships, but there's a Jim Rohn, who is actually a Tony Robbins mentor, had a saying that you're the aggregate of the five people that you spend the most time with. And that's, you know, regarding- So the, true. Yeah. And that's what's interesting about that. It's not just when he, when he said, or you're the average of the, of the aggregate of the five people. And it's not just relating to socioeconomic, but it's also health, life- and just it's everything. So the advice that I would have is to really surround yourself with great people that you trust, that are loyal to you, that you admire, and provide them with as much value as possible. There's another great saying, uh, you rise with the tide. You know, and if you're helping those people that you've surrounded yourself with, they're going to do well. And if for some reason <laughs> they'll pull you up if need be, you will rise with that tide. So surround yourself with just great people that get it help them be good be a great friend to them be loyal do whatever it is that you can help do it selflessly not to try to you know don't ask you know like, totally. like i know i know that you get that already but other people just help them pick good people surround yourself with them and just have fun i love that that's so true it's something that i've learned in a bunch of people that i've interviewed it's the biggest thing that they go back to it's like you are the aggregate or whatever of the five people you spend the most time with like just find people that you look up to because if you aspire to be them you always want to surround yourself from what i've learned with people that are higher than you no matter what the goal is because eventually you're going to become like them and you're going to be part of that circle and then you got to go even higher and keep on building up until you reach as high as you can go yeah there's also a thing that i recommend doing yearly and i'm actually going to be putting this out having like a template that i've created that's essentially a yearly audit and the yearly audit, it's not your financials, but it's the people that you spend time with. Once a year, you know, I've even talked to someone who says, hey, man, we should probably do this every six months. But at least once a year, take a step back and evaluate who are you spending the most time with and not just are they higher than you because I don't know if I like that term, but is your energy charged when you're with them or is it being taken? Like, are you growing with them? Are they upping your game and are you upping their game? Yeah, there, there's that. And then there's also just, listen, some people are-, are And you just, click. Yeah, there's that. And also then there's, are they bringing you down? Like if they're constantly, are they a take hole? You know, are they someone that's just looking to get from you? Or are they someone that just constantly has problems? And listen, we all have problems. And that's also part of being a friend is being able to help. And But if they're the constant problems and they're not- If they're pulling it, you down. Yeah. That's yeah, just, yeah, that's totally. essentially it. So that's awesome. Know, yeah, choose your friends. Love um, that. Yeah, so we're winding down. I'm trying to keep the uh, – <laughs> we've been rolling, and I'm trying to keep this down somewhat. Is there anything in particular that you'd like to talk about? Is there something that we didn't – whether it's your show, whether it's some of the projects that you're working on, something that you really care deeply about that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I mean, like I said, the podcast has been a huge part of my life. So if anyone wants to listen to that, I'm sure you'll have the links and stuff like that, but it's 20 under 20s. Besides that, like I'm doing the speaking stuff, which I love doing. I'm consulting with companies on their brand and reaching a younger audience through social and a variety of different other things. But I mean, I'm really just focused on connecting with more people, building up my brand, helping other people build up their brands and helping however I can. Good. Well, how can we help you? Is there something or do you have a company set up? Is there stuff like if someone, who is the ideal type of person to connect with you that you can at least monetize? Yeah. I mean, it's weird because just now is the time that I've started to focus on monetizing. Like the first year monetizing wasn't even a thought. Like I just wanted to build up my brand, build up people. But I think in terms of the speaking stuff, any events, I love speaking on podcasting, networking, consulting, social marketing, anything. And then in terms of 
the actual client stuff, like any companies or people that either want to use social better, want to just have better marketing using influencers and using different platforms to actually push their stuff out. Really anyone, you can send me an email. I read all my emails, J-E-S-S-E-K-A-Y-811 at gmail.com. And then, yeah, whatever. I'm happy to help with anything. That's great. Any tips or tricks that you'd want just whoever's getting started that they should be doing? Yeah, two things. First off, get started. Don't just sit and wait. And then the second thing is get organized. So if you're working on a project, set that down. Like that's why I use Google Calendar. Like everything's set up. If you're going to pull 10 different directions at one time, you're not going to be able to go 100% on one thing. So I think it's important while you're working on something, you go all in on it. So I would say get organized and prioritize. Have you ever read The One Thing? By no. You need to read The One Thing. I got to read it. That's a book. I'm gonna, I actually have it in my shelf here. I'm going to get it to read you. it. Yeah, you're going to enjoy that. Jesse, thank you so much. I really appreciate, again, with everything that you've got going on in your life, carving out some time to hang out today. Yeah, it's been great. Share your knowledge and educate all of us on everything that you've got going on. I wish you the best of luck tomorrow. I'm going to have to check in with you. I know. Uh, you, you find out tomorrow? That. Yeah, you're... I think tomorrow or the next day, some yeah. point this week. Okay. All right. Yeah. Big day. Big day. <laughs> oh, Big man. week. All right. But I appreciate it. It's been great and you're doing a great job with this and however I can help, I'd love to push it out. You're the man. Awesome. Make it a great day. Yep. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. If so, check out some of my others on conversationswithconnors.com. If you're someone looking to build a business, increase your sales, or make a career change, go to networkwise.com. There, you'll have access to a bunch of resources that can help you get started. Thanks again, make it a great day, and remember to always networkwise. Network Wise.